You are listening to a roundtable debate on formalisms. The roundtable was between Stan Allen, Jesse Reiser, and Michael Meredith, and was hosted by Ishai Yudakovitz and Hans Tursak. Produced for Attention, the audio journal for architecture. Yeah, the idea for bringing the three of you together was um, after the conversation that you had in Stan's studio in the fall semester where you each presented a single-family home and uh, talked about your design in the process, and we really got into the nuts and bolts of how it was composed as much as you know the, the logistics of building it. I thought that was a really great conversation. But for this particular roundtable, I'm hoping to talk about formalism more in the abstract. And just to begin, I was hoping you could do just like a quick introduction of your background, but more as it relates to how you were schooled and which sort of formalist school of thought that belonged to your particular program. And I know, understand, it's the kind of thing that you learn retroactively, almost after you're out of the program, you think, oh, mm-hmm. this is what I was being taught, and it was a system, and, um, you know, I was either rejecting it or assimilating. Yeah, so maybe, Jesse, you could start. I guess there was an informal sort of preamble, which was just exposure at home, mm-hmm. and not being taught a system of formalism, but you know, my mother is an architect, she's part of this practice. And so I was exposed almost in a pre-conscious way, you know, to formal issues. So coming to Cooper was, in a way, after an initial introduction to some form of formal thinking. But we were at Cooper at a transitional moment, I think. I, you know, there was still the pedagogy of the nine-square grid that was being taught, um, but I actually didn't have it. I was given... Chet Wisniewski in that first studio, who was part of David's I always, Brody I always thought you were the last, it was your year was the last year to do. I think Square so. Grid. I was, you know, yeah. I saw it. I, but you didn't actually do it. Didn't ever do it. Really? No, 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 I never did it. But, but uh, people in your class did it? or were People the, in my class did it quite seriously. So they split the class? They split the class. Interesting. And so I got the more, what were you, you know, the practitioner ah, I see. among them. Didn't he, you was he the one who right? did like bridges? Did bridges? I mean, you know, he was part of Davis Brody. He'd already right. left Davis Brody. In- interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's funny. But I always thought you did nine square know, grid. Was, I don't know how you would characterize. You know, it was that did kind you of work, nine square grid? brutalism, mm-hmm. and you know, work in the in the sixties. Like the, the rite of passage. Or Davis something. Brody. Yeah. yeah, but I never had the rite of passage yeah. that way. Yeah, but, but that was pretty familiar with that way of thinking compositionally already. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't right. anything particularly new to me. Did you, Stan, um, did you, did you, I was struck, Jesse, you go, when we went to that barbecue at your house, like how you painted something, like how active you were at a young age in the arts, let's say, already. Yes, yes. And I was curious, Stan, did you have that kind of as a kid? Were you drawing and painting? No, I, uh, my story's a little bit different. Um, I, I got into architecture completely by accident. That in, I mean, my, uh, my exposure was a little bit differently in, in sort of high school, I actually, I actually graduated early from high school and spent a year working as a as a carpenter or working as a framing oh, carpenter. Wow. So, mm-hmm. so I had exposure to building things, but the thought of being an architect never crossed my mind. And uh, when I was a freshman at Brown, by complete accident, I'd screwed up my registration, and I ended up in an architectural history course with with Bill Jordy. And through Jordy, got hooked up with people mm-hmm. who. I, I actually sort of, with the with the assistance of a friend, kind of taught myself how to draw, and uh, ended up because Brown had no formal uh, architecture program. 
I ended up taking art courses and, and, then, and then studios at RISD. So I came to drawing quite late, but, it, it's also, but the flip side of that is that my first exposure to architecture was through, through fine arts courses, through drawing courses, rather than through formal um, right. uh, architecture studios. Right. All of it. So, I mean, I took that pre-college course at RISD. And that's was that was really the first oh, time I was exposed did to you, formal. You know, I I did that actually. Did you? Uh, well, because Andre Balaz was in my class. You could do it. Uh, I'm telling you, didn't even know. I did there. that. No, no, I yeah. did it. No, but I didn't. I did it between my freshman and sophomore years in college. I said, oh much because they had a. Uh-huh. I mean, they had a similar program for. Right. Um, Oh, you know, again, because I not with the high school kids. Though. Not with the high school kids. They, yeah. but there was a similar program. But again, it was you know I felt like I had to kind of catch up and, and uh-huh. you know yeah we did you know we did sort of Joseph Albers color study and right. we did life drawing and right. you know no, I started uh, I got into my head you know that the Pieta was done at twenty age twenty three and I was sixteen and you were like uh, yeah. and I had to master yeah. drawing life drawing yeah in that yeah. it uh, became a bug uh, yeah yeah I was really turned off by what they were offering on the architectural side but I loved all the fine yeah. art stuff see it was interesting because my my when I was at Brown, I took I took yeah. design studios at RISD, and my teacher wasn't an architect; he was an industrial designer. Uh-huh. Really interesting guy, Bob O'Neill. But uh, but again, you know, the emphasis was on drawing and mm-hmm. and also also just looking and seeing. Yeah. I mean, right. I think that was the other thing that, that right. even even Jordy, mm-hmm. when he taught architectural history. Uh, you know, he would give slide lectures, but he also give us a list of buildings. You guys keep sketchbooks to, to go out. I did at that time. Yeah, I did at that yeah. time. Do you still I never really them? sketched that yeah. much. It was drawing, but yeah. yeah, I never had a sketchbook per se. Yeah, yeah. but you know, we would we would get yeah. in the car and go down to to uh-huh. to Newport to look at the McKimmead and White uh-huh. shingle style buildings. I mean. I mean, it was it was this idea that your your education was by looking at stuff, looking right. closely at right. stuff. What kind of stuff are you looking at? I would say I was like kind of a, a weirdo kid in high school. Like, it sounds like Jesse, and I was just drawing all the time. I also like had this fascination with early modern painting. Really, honestly. I, I felt like I had to learn. I mm-hmm. like was fascinated with Manet and mm-hmm. Degas. Yeah, and I used to just get every book out where of the did library. You, wh- where did you get thing. exposure to that? I have no clue where it actually came from, but yeah. I just became obsessed with that this and was Warhol. In, in like in high school, because I, it was towards... Where, where, I was did in, you, where did you grow up? Public school in upstate New York. Upstate, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And it, it oh. was just like right. out of... Public school in Dobson. I mean, I was always drawing and stuff as a kid. Yeah. And then right. I, I thought, at yeah. some young age, I thought, oh, I want to be an architect for right. some unknown reason. And I took one course that was called Architecture in High School. Yeah. And I hated it. Yeah. And I just said, I'm not, not for me. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah. I, so I went into to yeah. studio arts, right. basically. Right. And, but um, you had the city. You would go into the city, right? Yeah, I mean, I, there were courses. Yeah, all, yeah. all I had Students were books. League and I didn't have right. any drawing right. right. the arts. Did you go to the museums? Yeah. 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 See, because I, I grew up in academic communities, and the, the dominant culture was, was a text-based culture. It was writing mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. and. I, you know, I don't think I went to an art museum until I was in college. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. you know, and it just, right. you know, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. creative, creative work in the sort of world that I inhabited before I went to school was, right. was poetry, was writing, film. Film That's was really important. Your father, we, too, no, right? We, um, you know, we would go to all the film uh-huh. societies at, right. at, at Amherst and UMass and, uh-huh. and, you know, I think if I had an ambition at all, it was probably, probably to become a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, I mean, m- more than 
definitely. I mean, the visual arts was just not on the yeah. radar. I think it, no, I don't I, know why. I had a heavy crafts background. Yeah, yeah. I used to do. So my mom, my mom was a nut. Mm. Like she would, like, very similar Talk in that regard. She would say she would metal in suburbia. She would find all these strange suburban uh-huh. ladies, like all women, that were like. I remember there's a strange German woman and we'd go and we'd learn German and she'd find a French woman and we uh-huh. then I would go to like a basement of yeah. some Latvian woman and I would do painting with her <laughs> right. and then I was like I, another woman who was like Swedish who had like pottery and I had batiking I did, uh-huh. I did a ton of batiking at a young age. <laughs> right and uh, yeah. you know and right. that's what she would do and it was like a, she anything like creative my mom would farm right. us out to these strange ladies mm-hmm. who were kind of amazing in their mm-hmm. basements uh-huh. literally the basements yeah. of strange <laughs> so um, it was it was kind of amazing. My mom did that. I mean, it's a lot of work for her to find everybody. She didn't really know them. Yeah, and she was encouraging of that for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. No, my my parents knew novelists and poets. They they didn't know artists. I yeah. mean, it just there weren't a lot of there not a lot of artists in Amherst, Massachusetts. So yeah. sort of surprising or Boulder, that, Colorado, even you know. Surprising that none of you mentioned sculpture at all. Like it's mostly you're talking mostly two D somehow. No, I was. I, did I was pottery. building stuff, but also modeled like an insane still model builder. I think that, part of the uh, part of the re- or the reasoning behind the question is that yeah. you know you're all a few uh, years apart, so uh, I mean you might be looking at each other's work, or mm-hmm. I guess you went to Jesse and Stan, you went to Cooper at uh, same time, um, and then Michael, you're sort of younger. So yeah. so um, the interesting question that Hans and I are looking at your work uh-huh. uh, for mm-hmm. formal ideas. Um, and we're wondering, like, what what work were you looking at once you start doing uh, architecture? Sort of right. what's forefronted. That's cool. uh, yeah. So we have, a, yeah. we, you know, we put down like seventy five is when Five Architects comes out, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you two are at uh, Cooper. So Haydeck obviously has some influence right. there. Well, uh, I ended up down in New York in seventy seven as a student at the institute. So I was in the midst of the Five Architects world. But but curiously enough. At the institute, you didn't necessarily... I mean, you were aware of Eisenman and... and uh, but even even at that time, I mean, Eisenman was saying that... I mean, Five Architects actually came out earlier. Um, I think like 71, 78. So, so Peter considered it old news already by then. But uh, the strong pedagogical force there, uh, interesting, was, was Mario and Diana. And their approach... I mean, this was this was the this was the emergence of the kind of semiotic approach of reading architectures. But but again, curiously enough, their approach was to send you out to the city, to to look at the, at the buildings in the city and to draw and analyze the buildings in the city, and then re you know sort of rewrite the architecture that you were analyzing. So it was still based on it was still very much a, a disciplinary approach. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was underpinned by typology. Um, it, 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 I mean, it was. It had a heavier. This was a little bit the tension, I think, between the institute and Cooper. Right. Uh, it was. It was. It had a. It had a heavy theoretical orientation, but it was still disciplinary. It. It, it wasn't. It wasn't theory coming from outside the discipline. It was Tafuri. It was typology. It. It, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, you know the, the 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 semiotic readings of architecture that had come from people like Jenks and and Mario and Diana themselves that had you know had gone and sat at the feet of Roland Bard and and then translated that into a sort of architectural terms. So this idea of of rewriting existing architectures was was very much in the did you accept the, the education in a way or did you reject? Yeah, it? no, no, I I I mean that that was I mean frankly you you see my position was I was somebody who had spent. Um, 
two or three years studying architectural history, yeah. and then coming down and I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, look, you have to also, I mean, I was a you know, twenty-year-old kid, uh, you know, coming to New York for the first time, yeah. and the institute was in this incredibly sort mm. of glamorous place, you yeah. know, I mean. I mean, Ram Kohlhaas would come through, Ross and Krauss would come through. But, yeah, but you, you wouldn't know. think of it as glamorous yeah. at the time, would you? Because they weren't well, who they are now. They were just like, it was the probably place, just like, oh, there's like uh, that weirdo you know, it, Dutch it, guy. It, well, there was a little of that. Yeah. There was a little of that. But um, Yeah, no, it's interesting, too. They were perceived that way, too, from within Cooper. That they were right. kind of, uh, you operated at a different mm. strata from the rest of right. the the right. class and Peter made sure that that was visible. Were you good students? Would you say? I wasn't. I was a mediocre design student. I yeah. think for much of. See, the I, I I was a good student. Yeah. That's my. It's the it's the bird of bad bear. Peter saved me. Yeah. Like in the third year, basically. Yeah. But otherwise, I was a very unhappy. I would say the work produced was somewhat mediocre. See, yeah. see, interestingly enough, but that I, was also the circumstance. I mean, they were. Psychologically, they you know they took you know twice the number of people that year, yeah. and then realized their mistake. So it was a very unhappy. They yeah. threw half the class out at I, the. I review feel like I was a really bad undergrad student, but a good graduate student for some yeah. reason. But anyways, see, I I would say I was actually a little bit skeptical of the Cooper yeah. education. I mean, yeah. having come from the institute and right. and and you know I had a I had an undergraduate liberal arts degree from Brown at that point and. Mm-hmm. That I, I I felt at times it was a little bit too intuitive and touchy feely mm-hmm. and needed mm-hmm. to be a little mm-hmm. bit more rigorous and right. the other thing you have to understand is is that the moment that Jesse and I arrived at Cooper that the certainties of the kind of neo Carusian right. Cooper Union of the first Wayne. education of an architect was was waning. Um, Raymond Abraham was becoming a more important influence. Bob um, Slutsky was diminishing. Well, again, I think those well, were you, the years. And you years. felt it. You felt oh, it. You definitely felt oh, yeah. It. yeah. You, no, we you we felt there caught, was an uncertainty. We were caught up in it. Well, yeah. and the and when Older Rossi came, when Rossi, you, I was in the Rossi studio. I did really well in the Rossi studio, and I, you know, uh, you know, it was clear from other students and from someone like Slutsky that they really disapproved of it. Oh, um, really? Yeah, and that John was yeah. making a terrible mistake. Because abstraction was now in right. Threat exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, this was this was the so, great disappointment. And then of all life. kinds of strange, bad, I don't know, bad postmodern work was being done too. There yeah. was a bit of that. Yeah. I mean, you it mentioned you mentioned Myrtle Wormfeld. Yeah. You know, Princeton yeah. Uh, like, guy. Did yeah. you, Jesse, like uh, buy into the sort of literary influences that were coming into the school at the time? Like Stan, you mentioned that Jay Fellows was there. Right. Um, bringing in people like. Uh, Michelle well, it was our first, you know, for me, it was the first exposure. I mean, it's very different from Stan's experience because he already had an undergraduate background that, you know, focused on discursive right. issues. Right. We got a smattering of stuff, you know, but it was really much yeah. more studio-based. Yeah. So it was really the first time to encounter poets and the mm-hmm. literary side. I would say that it had an influence later. I kept the reading list and yeah. read it ten years later. But I didn't know what I was getting. I mean, you know, much of it was you know, being thrown at us. We, we received all this material. It was a gospel. I mean, it relates yeah. to what Stan was saying. So we didn't really have a critical apparatus to kind of interpret it. Many of the students were, you know, somewhat indifferent to it anyway. Right. They just wanted to right. become professionals. Yeah. 
No, that was that was a that was the they were working class kids, you know, yeah. who weren't. It, yeah. it was, you know, this funny paradox. Even with Hayduck, who was right. a working class guy, but right. he was an ultra elitist on the other side. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the kids that came to Cooper, you know, uh, really just wanted to, you know, get solid jobs in the profession, and they thought a lot of this was really? bullshit. Yeah. No, that's um, what you people people don't that. realize about yeah. Cooper. I was I thought I would get geniuses. I thought I was yeah, going to be in the, the class of genius. incredible, yeah. you know, and there were. I That's mean, what I thought. Yeah, yeah. The Institute kids were, you know, far more sophisticated than we were. So you guys knew, were you guys friends at the time? Or were yeah, you, yeah. did you look up, did yeah. you look oh, up no, 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 it was, Jesse was definitely sort of identified as the guy to watch, so, but I know, but that was, that was also kind of a, bur- I, you know, it used to drive. By students or faculty or both? Or? Both, both, but. You just—I mean, Todd Wood used to drive me crazy. Yeah. When I was in second year, yeah. it's like it's like this kind of criticism. Like, you're so talented. Why aren't you making a better project? It's like this is the this that is would be the worst criticism. Yeah. What kind of criticism is that? Yeah. <laughs> so there was a little bit of that, but but sorry, just to go back quickly. I mean, you were asking what 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 we were looking at. Um, <laughs> it was a huge, huge, huge disappointment for me that I I didn't get into the Rossi studio. Oh. Because that was what. That was what I was looking at. I mean, that you know, you, it, it's it's difficult to remember in those years, you know, that that Rossi was Rossi had a status comparable to Kohlhaas's status a couple right. of years ago, and especially coming from the, you see, and because it was the first time he was really showing work in New York. It was his right. first exposure, parallel yeah, yeah. all of those shows yeah. at Max Protech and the Institute, and so it was a really happening thing. It was yeah. an emerging thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and and so I had. I come into Cooper Union, again, it's another sort of funny story where uh, one of the things that happened at the Institute is they would kind of prep you, so, okay, you're going to go to Yale, you're going to go to Princeton, you're going to go to Cooper Union, and, you know, you know really? 20, yeah. 20 year old kid is like, okay, you know, tell me what to do, and I, I do the application, I get into Cooper, and, you know, I said, but, you know, I said to, to, to Eisman, but, you know, I already have an, an undergraduate degree, why should I get another? So don't worry, don't worry, you'll go through in two years, so I get, I get in, I'm happy, i I sit down in John Hadick's office, and you know, of course, John Hadick is a big, intimidating <laughs> I no guy. Idea. Yeah, I can't imagine. Just, I won't do the Bronx he's a big, accent. Yeah, everyone but, has that you know, accent when they do. But you, can do uh, it. you know, he, you can do he it. he's looking at you know, he's sort of like says, do it, man, like do the, it, do like your the presence of Kurtz, and you know, uh, do your yeah, Hadick. Yeah, I always yeah. hear these stories about yeah. him, like when we give these lectures about the like yeah. some yeah. the boulder of Christ or some blowing off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some crazy and anyway, chair. he's you know he's looking at my stuff. He says <laughs> it's like Kurtz and Apocalypse now, like Brando. Yeah. Do but, it. But you, you, you know, my, you, you know who it is. We get like a stickler. Yeah, just gotta, <laughs> you gotta you replace got, this I'll, with I'll, alcohol. I'll, 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 I'll tell you. I'll tell you the the, the the there was a Watergate lawyer. I think his name was Wyman. Huh. Dead ringer for Hayek's Bronx accent. Yeah. If you like, listen to historical. So he would show. Let's say when he was on a review, would he just show up and go? Uh, this is crap or whatever. What do you, what do you, no, you know, no. It articulate? Was, anyway, let, he, let me finish yeah. the story, which yeah. is that Hadick, yeah. you know, he says, okay, you're, you're just, nobody gets out of this place in less than, less than four years. Right. You're, you're going into second year. And I was like on the tip of my tongue to say, but, but Peter said, and yeah. I realized <laughs> that was not the right. So I, I, I did a, a semester in second year with Todd Williams and Rick Scafidio. Remember his business with the, the cigarettes and his uh, That guy. was the year that they threw half the class out yeah. at the review. I mean, yeah. They threw people out? Yeah. At the review. Yeah. Basically, you were dismissed. Like, how do they do that? 
That sounds cool. That I can, yeah. you can't do that anymore. So anyway, I went to but, but, I went to Haydick and said, "Look, I think I should be so further you, ahead." They were and, like, "Get out of here!" But so, also because yeah. I want because I knew that Rossi yeah. was coming for the third year, mm-hmm. and I wanted more than anything else to be in the Rossi. So he let me in the third year, but he wouldn't let me into the Rossi studio. Uh, so, but it actually turned out that was that was when I did. Who did those. you get instead? Well, I did. Uh, I had Richard Henderson for the uh-huh. analysis. I did the Caparola drawing. Uh-huh. So, oh, right. which great. is again, this is another thing. Those you are know, in the education is, is yeah, yeah, is that you know, again, part of the Cooper education was to look carefully. You, you, we spent a, I think a whole whole year, oh, yeah, analyzing. Yeah, existing architecture. You know, right. that model over yeah. there. But that was done late. Yeah, that yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll give you one one more Haydick story yeah, was yeah, about, yeah. The, about the, the when I'm Charles. Happy to hear him. Well, I mean, you know, if you, you want you want a you know sense of what you know yeah. when remember the Charles Jenks lectured, he came back and he said that guy, it's like those people yeah. who put razor blades in apples. And oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. But before before you answer, can you just clarify what was interesting about uh, Rossi? Like what what was mm-hmm. the appeal? Was it the the drawing was it the writing um, no it I, I think it was the see this was interesting because Hadix you know Hadix was it was the, was the Italianness of Rossi you know that Rossi right. had somehow captured the the essence of Italy you know um, no I think it was first of all I mean it wasn't the writings per se I mean uh, I don't I don't think I'd probably even read architecture of the city but um, but it was the idea that that there was a kind of Coherent thinking behind it, but no, it was it was the poetics of the the drawing and the building. I mean, it, right. and it was the the sense of somebody who I don't know. It's sort of sort of you you, you see postmodernism opened the door to a more sort of figural Beautiful. narrative approach. Right. But we we definitely rejected the kind of sweet postmodernism mm-hmm. of like right. Michael Graves and. And Rossi was like, he was still tough and rigorous. And sure, but it also, for me, it overlapped surrealism exactly. and Kiriko. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the whole painterly yeah. side of exactly. Rossi yeah. was fascinating yeah. to me. Less, I guess, about the systematics. Right, uh-huh. right. But he also had an, a kind of project about internationalizing his way of working. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what his assignment was. No, exactly. Was. I mean, it was the tendenza. It was right. the, you know... So he looked at the academical village right. you know, at UVA and assigned that because it could be a way of... I guess it was through classicism, essentially. Right. But, but it was also... classicism in sure. vernacular, too. Exactly, exactly. So it also resonated with my hopper interest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it was never... Yeah, we weren't really exposed. We were... Actually, it was an accident that we got Rossi. He was supposed to have been assigned the thesis class. Oh, I didn't know that. And John was pissed off that they weren't performing, so he was suddenly shifted to third year. Um, wow. So it was an accident. Yeah. Got it. And how many times did he teach there? Was it just that one time? It was just, just that one time. That one time. I mean, you know, the story had been that, that but previous to that, because of his affiliations to the Communist Party, he couldn't get a visa. Which I think he, oh, well. you know, but 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 it's, he had they, to go through Miami. Had to go through only the port of Miami. Is or that something. right? It was some crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, but it was also true that that um, yeah. Rossi Rossi sort of saw, and and I think this resonated with Haydick as well. That he saw a kind of validation of some of his theories in in America, in right. American architecture. You right. know, the again this this sort of. This sort of uh, convergence between the vernacular and the classical, in like right. like Greek revival mm-hmm. architecture from right. from the nineteenth century, and, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. Nantucket houses, and lighthouses, yeah. yeah, 
you know, that, that, you know, and that, that definitely resonated with my background, you know, yeah. I've grown up in New England and, sure. you know, been exposed to that, yeah. the, you know, these, these, uh, you know, colonial houses yeah. and, and, you know, that was, that was stuff we were look, you know, mm-hmm. that, that How'd I, you end up as a carpenter. I can't imagine Stan the carpenter, but I, I you can't. know, <laughs> Michael, you, you're at a, a different school and sort of a few years yeah, later, yeah, what yeah. kind of stuff are you looking at? Yeah, you're kind of an outlier and I would imagine you skipped. Yeah, I don't have the pedigree of, no, no, the reverse even. The, I mean, the thing is like, I mean, these guys have a much better pedigree in a way than I do, but like the, you know, I went to Syracuse, which was near where I grew up. I didn't want to become an architect. I wanted to go to art school. My father's an engineer. He said he wouldn't pay for art school. Uh, right. It's not practical. You need a skill. Why don't you try so, out architecture? You said you liked it when you were, like, six. So um, I was like, okay, I'll try it for a year kind of thing. And um, I liked it enough, I guess, at the time. I was kind of like a big swinging student. I would do very well with some teachers and horribly awful with Who others. were your teachers at Syracuse? I had Randall Corman, who was like mm-hmm. a Cooper right, guy, right. and worked for Eisman. So right. I got, I kind of had an Cause, echo. Because there was, I had earlier, an there was, a, there was a kind of... But a slightly kind of, different. A, there mm-hmm. was a kind of Cooper. Yeah, it was Seligman. Was still, Seligman. Seligman and, was the dean when I arrived and left, yeah, okay. like the year afterwards. So when he was there, it, yeah. was, it was all New York. He was... The, everyone would say he was the sixth of the New York Five, so, right. or something. Like right. he was known for, you know, he knew all these yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. He would bring them into the school, and he taught a kind of like you, like you, to get through the school, you would just copy and tweak Corb, like that was the model. Like you would have to, and it used to drive me nuts. I hated my education at the time. And, and I, all of the undergraduate studios, or just the there was a there were a, co- a couple of weirdo studios. Like I got along pretty well with. Randall actually mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. would do a project like a chess club in in Boston or something like this and it was all about an Eisman right like mm-hmm. kind of problem you know what I mean it was like kind of meaningful dialectical kind of construction mm-hmm. you'd have to set up in your architecture and a bunch of baloney they, they were all like Colin Rowe people mm. basically yeah was there a, was a lot was of a strong row like history yeah. class was drawing yeah. Palladium Villas from but it was earlier that row. was my that was my right. education not, not, right. not the postmodern with the postmodern yeah. row with the postcard collections no it was more like uh, the collapse of you know of modernism and, po- and postmodernism through Corb uh-huh. you know and so it was a lot of Corb all the time Corb 24-7 and and then you know there were s- certain younger faculty who would sneak Cool House in but even Cool House was acceptable as an extension of Corb to some degree so the, um, um, like there was no, almost no Mies in my education. I mean, it was brought up, but it wasn't really studied. It was kind of just there. Even Alto was more acceptable yeah. Yeah. to some Louis, degree. Louis Kahn was Kahn excluded was, yeah. from our, at, I mean, from Cooper. Yeah. Actually, I remember going to visit Louis Kahn buildings with Stan, but yeah, it was something unusual. I would have thought that squared well with the sort of uh, bachelor phenomenological kind of... That was much later, I think. Uh, there wasn't any kind of explicit phenomenology yeah. being discussed at Cooper when, at least for most of the time when we were there. But you guys were I at Cooper I think that came with Alberto Perez Gomez maybe in yeah. the early 80s. Uh, was he there in the... Yeah. So we were already out. No, as you know, you were asking earlier, I mean, I, I certainly embraced the kind of literary turn, you know, and... And the other thing you have to remember is that, that, I mean, exactly how fragmented Cooper was the time that Jesse and I were there, that, um, 
Uh, Bernard Schumi arrived to teach um, advanced concepts, and uh, and did you did you do the Schumi and yeah, we were yeah. The yeah. Same, yeah, but did you seminar. do David Shapiro too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it was at the same time, but it had him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and Jay Fellows. So, yeah. so I mean that, you know, and and this is by the way, this is Shumi pre Laviolette, right? So it's Shumi teaching again surrealism and. Mm-hmm. Didn't you have that Joyce Garden project? At yeah, that time? it was that. So, so that kind of literary narrative. <laughs> quality mm-hmm. to architecture, which, which again, we saw in Rossi as well. I mean, yeah, Rossi, you know... And right. I think some of the differences, like the, I'm the, trying to think of like who the, the characters are. Like, Locus like, Solis, you know, we're reading right. Raymond Roussel and uh, Robe Grier and... Uh, Ashbury. You know. Yeah. I think I also, my, when I was a student, there were, were, like, Morphosis was a kind of liberating... I, I can't imagine it now because I'm not a really big fan of Tom Main or Morphosis at all, but the drawings were incredibly liberating in a, in a studio right. context because when you first came into school it was kind of like you either bought the Michael Graves book or the oh, Richard Meyer the, book it was kind of the split <laughs> like that was it you either were on the Richard Meyer or the Michael Graves side because that was what was yeah. really taught yeah and then right. by the time right, you right. got to right. the third like year Morphosis came in yeah. and you could screw up the plans a little bit more the and then by the time house. you graduate yeah, yeah. it was so like Andy Zago drawings yeah yeah, yeah. But I think we, we really distrusted that. I think because it was maybe maybe I really distrusted that. But I think I, I think you know another thing. I I mean this was this was when I don't know when the Liebeskin show at Max Protech where he showed the micro megas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like if you were gonna go that way, go all the way. Yeah, yeah. you know and. Yeah. It, it was like for for me, it, the Sixth Street drawings were like a kind of overlay of that kind of spatial right. complexity, superpositions, but and but graphical. You know, it's still a kind of recognizable piece of right. architecture underneath. Yeah. Whereas the the radicality uh, of of those early Liebeskind drawings, sure. I think, and chamber works even more. And yeah, chamber works even more. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that you know because again, I, I think part There's of it is nobody doing that kind of thing. Anymore. Well, but but I think I think we were also very distrustful of the conventional professional trajectory at that time. That's actually and, an interesting segue right. because I think that for um, you know, given the background that you had just talked about uh, and now sort of transitioning into Liebskind and, and mm-hmm. a very new form of abstraction, I think all three of you in practice uh, and particularly I think in sort of the earlier works have a very particular interest in uh, forces mm-hmm. um, and, and time. Yeah. And how does that how did that leap uh, happen. Kind of came later, I think. Just instead of divisions of a of a primitive, the idea that um, you were representing other forces acting on the primitive. I don't know. For me, it was two different ideas. It was never animate form, like Greg's. Hate up for me was the first to I don't know, kind of describe the issue of forces, not explicitly, but in the work. But it was more about a kind of animism. And potential in objects or in buildings. Mm-hmm. Oh, but but I, I think so the other was that side. Yeah. yeah. And then much later the with you know materialist stuff. thinking like coming out of Sanford and I mean yeah. it was yeah, that, me that, that was much in later. the nineties. That was much know. later. Um, yeah. That was the Columbia context. But but I I think it also had to do with the theater, the theatrical. I think in your work, I mean, you've always you've always had an allegiance to the figure. Right. The figure is always implicit in the work somehow. Right. So when you talk about that kind of potential mm-hmm. yeah. compositional energy of the figure, it's it's all, 
And it's right. interesting, be, I mean, because there's an, the other sort of sort of history that Jesse and I share was this was this London project, and that's, that's I would say that represented a little bit of a divergence. Was this the project you did together? No, it was um, part of a group. We were you know, we were both members of a group that had been organized by by Leslie Gill. So Neil Denari had a project Neil Denari. And um, who else? Well, yeah. I, don't I don't know this history. Yeah, but I worked with a Did guy. Did you have a name for your group? What? Do you have a name? The London Project. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was an exhibition in an artist space. There'd been a um, there's a, a, a curator called uh, Valerie Smith who organized a pretty important show at the, the previous show had included Liz Diller, Laurie Hawkinson, and then this was the following show. So it was, I mean, it's funny how closely you parse the generations. I mean, this was like the next generation, although it was about yeah. two or three years difference. Yeah. Um, I think the difference there, I, I think in Jesse's work, Jesse and Nanako's work by that time, it, it, was, it was definitely dedicated to making things, yeah. still very abstract. It was was post Cranbrook in Jesse's case, although it had a very abstract origin. Whereas um, I was, I hooked up with a guy called Mark Hacker, and we we were at that point explicitly interested in sort of mapping global forces of communication so and co- connectivity and. So, so I mean, I think with this work in Jesse's case, is this you? Is this yeah. a drawing? Yeah. In Jesse's case, this text. is the, the this is the line. literary textual narrative <laughs> side. This is the kind of a Liebeskind abstraction. Yeah. But right. then every it, single one it, of those, okay, where are you? Let's see this stuff here. Insane reading of a collage, of word fragments, then converted into a kind of hieroglyph, which is then reapplied. I know. I guess what I'm interested in is I'm surprised by how uh, similar all of your sort of formal experiences were as undergraduates. No, not, I would not say mine was similar to theirs, but I did have some of the same echo. Well, I was yeah. surprised there's yeah. enough similarities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're doing cube divisions and kind of neo-Corbusian exercises, yeah. revisions via Colin Rowe. Some but see, the thing is, they weren't doing that at Cooper anymore. Hmm. Yeah, we were I might have we more education than they yeah. did even. I mean, that's yeah. how ed- pedagogy yeah. works. Like, I'd say we've got trickle-down echoes in a way, and I think it was really clear to us. I... I but it also I hated never it. I was against it, honestly. I thought this was retrograde crap when I was a student. And I was yeah. vehemently opposed to it, and that's why my teachers didn't like me. But and I was I was vocal about it too in a very awkward How did you express manner. that in your work? I did things like I tried to do projects like once where I tried to do absolutely nothing. I remember I almost got failed for this. I did like I want to do a project that has no design. And I did this like brick building. It was like kind of grassy esque, honestly. Mm-hmm. Cause it, but I was like I will. I hated all the compositional crap, and I was like, "I'm going to do a building that has nothing, and see how this goes." And they would, my teacher would just get mad at me and say, "What the hell are you doing? You have to do something." And I was like, "No, I'm going to do nothing." <laughs> and then you know, and fight and fight for it. And I felt so bad for this one because it was like a visiting teacher who was like the head of Perkins Will or something, and and he Please. was there, and he was trying to get me to do some. You know, Corbusian stuff, and I just was like just yeah. against the whole. Did you thing. Do a it's a good thing. It's a good instinct. It was super yeah, rationalist. It was, it was yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. just a like yeah, a grid as neutral as you can with a brick a brick building with you know yeah. square windows. No, I, we were we were really suspicious of late modernism at that time. Yeah. Late modernism really seemed to have kind of run its course and to be exhausted and I mean I think again that that's one of the reasons why a figure like Rossi was was yeah. was really attractive. My my probably most rebellious moment was was with the musical instrument problem. Uh, I forget what did you do the musical instrument? Did, what did you do? Oh 
That's cool. No. I feel like you would be great well, at the musical well, instrument. You didn't do it? How did you do it? You missed all the classics, man. Well, I know why. Because there was a decision whether you, you could do the thesis for a full year or uh-huh. you could do the musical instrument and then take a semester to do the thesis. Uh-huh. What did you guys do for your thesis? So I, I chose to yeah. do the thesis What's, yeah. What's the, the musical instrument? For a number of years running, it, it, was, it, was, actually, it was absolutely brilliant uh, pedagogical moment. It was Beautiful John Hayden. Draw, draw a musical instrument one-to-one. That was it. No, no mm-hmm. other. And the first year... Was just gorgeous. I mean, you know, sections of sections of recorders, violins, clarinets. You know, some guy who unrolled all the tubing of the of the tuba. Beautiful, beautiful drawing. So, so we were the next year. It did it. So it was like already. You see, see the freshness of that first year. We were already mannerist. We were already commenting on the first year. So, and and again, my sort of slight skepticism of the kind of the Cooper. Uh, fetishism of drawing and complexity. I, I my my response was I drew a triangle. Um, but again, with my contrarian instinct, I drew a triangle. But I a triangle pro- that's hilarious. I projected it through this whole series of transformations in space and movement. So I took the simplest possible instrument you I could find. That. <laughs> and made this super complex drawing. Yeah. So my thesis was theater based, um, yeah, was as was Jesse's. And John, actually, uh, what I remember of that musical instrument problem was yeah. that John I, I wanna know, I wanna threw all of the constraints are, out at the review. His right, favorite right. thing, which drove Bob Slutsky nuts, was this thing which is essentially, to, his, to Slutsky's mind, not a musical instrument. It was a wind up. A monkey. Oh, I that remember that. Drum. I remember that. And Hayduck didn't even care about the analysis. He threw out all of the sort of uh, pedagogical was that genius? constraints, and essentially just got fascinated with the eyes of the monkey and how they were drawn. And that sort of uh, you know stopped the discussion, <laughs> right? Then. Who was it? Uh, what? Hayduck was obsessed with the eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's like I don't care if this is uh, you know, yeah. An analysis, uh, you know. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Look at the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Look at how she drew the eyes. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, Hedek was not, zero interested in analysis. Analysis I like was. That. Yeah. yeah. It's more. It's more, de- it's more human. In a oh way. yeah. yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Bob was questioning the wrong thing for him. Yeah. Yeah. The you know. Well, so the what analytical. did you guys do for your thesis projects? I'm, I, I have. I was working with Raymond Abraham, yeah. and it was essentially a, That's it. It was a retreat Dude, in the Palisades. So it was a, yeah, there it is. There's one of the models. I had my thesis model. But it was a kind of conflicted thing, because on the one hand, I was Chuck super Wilson. interested in the kind of formalism. I mean, it was Peter influence, actually. Yeah. Tarani and... Yeah. Looking at all of the there was a moment where everything had to be like embedded in the earth. But everything, yeah, the other side, which was, was probably like more Raymond, thing. was you know to embed it in the right. in rock, and right? Deal right. with this. It's like so there was a tunneling yeah. through heavy. See, mass. see, interesting. I mean, interesting. I think yeah. I was a little more influenced by uh, by Shumi of all people. I was I, too. Uh-huh. I did. Um, uh, I found a site which again was kind of going back to my origins. It was an abandoned um, New England woolen mill. That, that had fallen into ruin and the project was called a theater of production and it was to kind of recolonize this site with little mm-hmm. and, and one level sort of Hadic like objects 
that would be be the sort of stages for performances and events. But then there was an overlay with sort of notations for movement and performance that, mm. that were definitely, I mean, you know, Shumi was one of our thesis critics. Right. Okay. And an infrastructure, and, right? I mean, it was the objects, and yeah, there was some kind of a, yeah, had, there was an open work it's true. infrastructure it's true. that collected there, the uh, well, it was, be, it was because of the, yeah, because of the kind of ruin of there the... Was the axial yeah, there was a spine. There was a yeah. Well, it was the the, the yeah. water course that that yeah. powered the mill that kind of ran through the thing. But and, that's yeah. Um, Bernard would have yeah. Yeah, no, Bernard. Yeah, although I'll tell you another funny. It's how it's interesting how all of those teachers yeah. you know yeah another funny story. Produce a kind of influence um, on the project. Uh, but I, they're actually at odds with one another. It's I mean, true. No, very much at odds. Italian formalism with Raymond's yeah. uh, you know yeah. return to the yeah. earth right. and. Uh, Right, blood and soil. Blood and soil. In, God, in that my, was a horribly dark moment. In my actually. final yeah. drawings, I spilled a bottle of, um, of of ink on the drawing, and so I had to it, it had to cut away a piece of section and work. And 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 hated looking and said, "Oh, that's the best. That's the best part of the drawing." And I love and, that. and and oh, Shumi yeah. was like, "Oh, geez, too bad. You had to repair it. Yeah, this was ruined. Yeah. Did you do a thesis, Michael? Yeah, but I did mine on. Uh, it was. I almost failed that too. I don't know how I even made it to where I am, but like I, I did it on. I feel like now when I was thinking back, it's kind of, I'm kind of probably back to where I was thinking at the beginning of my thesis, where I did it on Rauschenberg, and I had it on this idea that you could, because I, mean, I didn't do any analysis at the beginning or anything. I just collected stuff, and I said this is my thesis, at the beginning of it, and I they had to pull me aside and I got a conditional pass. I almost failed. And I said that act of collecting is a design act and all this stuff, and I went through this whole thing with him. And then I ended up doing it. It was all Shumi-based. I had a guy, Ted Brown, still at Tim. Yeah, yeah, I remember Ted. Ted was a Princeton grad. Yeah. He was, yeah. for us at the time, he was, Princeton he was, was intellectual. Guy. He was a Graves yeah, guy. Yeah. He was in yeah. charge of the Whitney, uh, I think he was part of the oh, okay. team who did the could, Whitney could, yeah. thing. And he, for us, was like, as students, was the intellectual in the group. And so I was happy to work with him at the time. And, and uh, I did it on, on New York, of course. Like, mm -hmm. New York was the epicenter of everything. It's not anymore, I think. And I did a, sh a, a film museum mm -hmm. that was prototypical along Broadway. The most stupid thing. So you look at these, like, kind of repeatable type. Mm -hmm. right. So it was like, I did, like... But it was I did like combines? I did like tiny, kind of yeah, it was combines, and it was looking yeah. at, like, I did all this xylene markers up right. the I probably brain damaged from the whole thing. But, like, <laughs> you, you have no idea the labor that was involved right. in architecture anymore. Like, no, but it's interesting in it kind of recovering that in terms of a pedagogical approach, right? Yeah, I did everything, everything I, mean, I had a, had images kind of a, all over. an interest in Rauschenberg. Yeah. And then obsessive interest in the, in the collection of objects, which are not critically... No, I just was like into desire them, and then it gets passed. And it's also like process. let's say at the time there was yeah. a thing about which yeah, I see totally congenial. The effect of like Xerox copies. You don't like, start with just that was a big deal. Like the, how you could use a Xerox copy for yeah. effect, like that was a big deal. And like you sure. would, everyone would try to figure out how to do it, and then all the yeah. the Pantone. Yeah, you you take the thing and yeah. you can even push it a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, we did that in yeah. Cardiff. Like yeah, crazy yeah. stuff like this that you yeah. try to use with the machinery. But mm -hmm. can you break that down a little bit for me, Jesse? What you just said? I don't think I can repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what year was your thesis? It came ninety four. No, but I mean, he had a that, that there was in a way a kind of pointed 
I don't know if you would call it a critical interest or an art historical so interest. It was already late, man. I came mm-hmm. to it late. You guys got then, the first wave of all that. Then he goes so back to desire, and he kind of you know makes this collection of uh, objects, which might be fetish objects or yeah. interesting objects, which are are assimilated uncritically in a way. They're because I felt like my education really then happened you, outside of school. Honestly. But again, yeah, I, mean, I was always in the it library. Cycles. I mean, it's this thing that I don't know. You know, now I sound like an old fart, but yeah. you know, it's just like you know, it's it's looking at stuff and yeah. gathering the stuff that is meaningful to you yeah. around, which I just don't see students doing. And it it doesn't have things. doesn't mean that it would also ultimately lead to a kind of touchy. Again, it's not no. a, exactly. It's approach. not a. I, mean, I was like, just so excited about. I used to go. To, I spent all you know, my time like, in the library. Like what <laughs> part of it is thinking about what what is the everyday conversation in the office? It's not. You know what is yeah. the conceptual justification? I never buy that baloney. No. Peter, you know, that's the biggest it, damage postmodernism done. It's, right. it's like, or you know, you know, what's what more are, beautiful to do it this way or to do it that way? You know, yeah. I mean, this was in in in, in Monet's well, office, exactly. Because you know, this whole kind of recourse to abstraction, yeah, kind of negative yeah. abstraction, where yeah. you know, I'm trying to solve these social problems, I'm yeah. trying to solve yeah. these political problems. Yeah. And actually, and then there's, yeah, I mean, it's exactly right. right. I mean, that there isn't an attention paid to the specific right. object of the architecture right. and how it's effective right. in but, those. But, terms. you know, there's a language of, of working, of, uh, you know, in the office that, you know, and, and I suspect that when students are talking among themselves, this is the language they use, you know. When you, you're, cool. work, you're working on yeah. something in your pro- project, you know, you say it's not working. What yeah. does that mean, you yeah. know? It's... Partly, okay, there may be a functional problem that's not working. There may be a structural issue that's not coming together. But it's also, it's, it's, it's a very intuitive sense that mm-hmm. the, the parts and pieces are not, just, it's not clicking in a certain way, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, and it's, it's aesthetic, it's performative, right. it's, 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 in a way, it's the impossibility of separating any of those out that you, you know it works when... Right. They kind of come together, together, you know? I mean, that would also be another definition of style for me, yeah. rather than a kind of, you know, that it's about overcoming all of those problems. Like, that yeah. there's a, like it's impossible. Right. It's really right. always going to be an impossible situation, and then style comes about in that way, rather yeah, yeah. than a reference back exactly, yeah. I also to did, a codified yeah, I think things style. It's about the ability to overcome like, the impossible yeah, situation. Like, as you get older, always, yeah. I think when you're a student, you know, you're looking, like when I was a student, I was, look, I was all the time in the library, I was looking at all this other work, and I was thinking, God, this looks so exciting and beautiful, whatever it is, and right. you'd be like, you'd have delusions that you could be in there somehow making stuff that could be on par with this other stuff you're looking mm-hmm. at. And, and you try and do these horrible, and mediocre, so probably funny. versions of it, and then you just get older and you're doing your work and eventually the work, mm-hmm. if you're serious about it, yeah. you follow the work, I feel like. The work leads you places. You still are looking at things, but you right. you have to constantly, you know, the work is leading you. I don't really think, no, no, at this point, a, yeah, I, exactly. I feel like I ha- yeah. am sort of trying to just follow the work to yeah. some degree. Right. No, you, you know, that's, that, yeah, the project, yeah. that's right. an overall right. project. Right. There's, a, there's a process when you're working, just also when you're, sort of, when you're sort of casting around for a solution to yeah. a project, and, yeah. and you, you, you put a lot of things on the table and you reject a lot of things, yeah. and there's a set of criteria that you're working towards, mm-hmm. which, yeah. which, which is, is partly this notion of somehow getting to that point where all the variables 
start working together and produce something that's that's mm-hmm. sort of greater than the sum of its parts. But it's also that it it adds something to that kind of ongoing project of the work, you know, right. that, that, That's right. that, you know, I, I'm sure in Jesse's case, it's like, okay, we've been working on a certain problem, and now we have something that adds to the right. catalog. It right. doesn't simply repeat, you know. Right. And that also becomes a kind of challenge, because you don't want to repeat yourself, but you 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 want to build on what you've done before. It's even that's where the program does come in in some funny yeah, way. Yeah, you know, like yeah. we never have done a big pancake project until this one. Right. And so, how would it play out? Right. In that sort of like thinking about a crude typology. Yeah. Like that. That's the moment when you sort of. I don't know. You make some general organizational decision that any architect probably right. would yeah. make. And then it's, you know, having made that decision about the general organization, it's about, you know, bringing all of those other right. interests to it. But I think a lot of the basic decisions are probably, could be quite similar and fairly limited in terms of, you know, but how I know, one would arrive at a project. I know we're hugely attentive to the, to the plan and uh-huh. to making it work, just simply, uh-huh. you, you know, again, there's a, there's a sort of um, sense of, I don't know, just kind of comfort that that you're you're not leaving problems unattended somehow mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that and and again that's where the that's where the, the specifics of program will drive invention you know it's like you're you're trying to bring the specifics of that problem into line with the larger set of issues you're mm-hmm. you're, you're working on right. you know this way of talking I'm, I'm glad we're going in this direction because the this way of talking sounds kind of foreign to how we are taught to think about conceptualize and present our thesis work i'm wondering as educators if you think there's a kind of a, a problematic disconnect between the way that you're talking about solving problems in the studio and the way that we go about constructing our thesis work and by we i don't mean for sure specifically i just mean i think the thing that's that is maybe strange is in, in some things that are, are taken for granted as a teacher is that you assume the students have already strange uh, passions or in desires already that they're trying mm-hmm. to channel and we're material there material desires whatever yeah material form whatever it is like visual formal maybe right. not even athletic, whatever it can be anything aesthetic at some level and then we're there to sort of help uh, bounce things off of crit- be critical of try to situate it maybe uh, give advice, etc. But I think that the problem is if you're a teacher and you have to construct the desires of students also, sometimes yeah. then it gets to be tricky for me. Right. I mean, we do it. It's inevitable because we all have our own set of things that we think about, and so we project that to students. But the students have to be able to have enough, especially in graduate school, um, maturity to some degree to be able to argue against it or come with alternatives. Yeah, I mean, I mean, something like a sensibility. Yeah. You, you, sure. you, you know, the, the... It might be harder in this, though yeah. nowadays for students because of, like when you guys were students and even when I was a student, the, let's say the narrative of architecture was so deeply policed by hmm. very few publications. Yeah. It wasn't the same thing. Yeah. There were, you know, when people, like there was a kind of stronger narrative that was put out by the Institute. Sure. No, no, absolutely, yeah. Nowadays, it's like yeah. a free-for-all. Yeah. And you have to make sense of a sure. world which is much flatter. Right. And there's also the kind to. of imperative to somehow define your thesis projects according to much more abstract, 
you know, uh, I always say like issues so, like, like you know solving or like you're yeah, you know, solve a social hunger problem or, yeah. or hunger yeah. or you know that it actually you know what seems to be missing is its intersection with architecture actually mm-hmm. you know that, that that and it has to be preconceived and bulletproof. On, drawings and whereas models. I mean, this was the yeah, constant litany I think even mm-hmm. you know with Liz yeah you know that uh, well you know. A lot of what might develop comes from, you know, making the design first and then seeing how it informs the thesis rather than having a bulletproof thesis with all the metrics prior to the design. But then what about, uh, say, first year uh, intro studio, Michael, you teach them. Jesse, have you ever taught uh, first year? And then like first year, second semester for a short time. Because that's, I think that's where um, there's more... uh, Educating, maybe in a way, like you need to define a very particular project, uh, and then certain issues uh, that that, I don't know, maybe are of interest to you personally in in your work, uh, become projects for students. Uh, So, Michael, you do like a the surface project or a park hole relationship project. Where I try to, I try to, I, I mean, I'm interested in these kind of strong pedagogies, but I don't think that's the moment. So, I try to teach a kind of flattened pedagogy at the beginning which could screw everybody up. But, I, I mean, I've thought about it in a while, and I'm actually going to try to rethink it again this summer mm. and change it maybe a little bit. But, like, I present... I, I think of it as parallel exercises, and the kind of final project is a kind of... where people have to start to choose or make decisions or figure out how to engage those four previous exercises. So it's, like, part to whole relationships, for sure. And some idea of performance, which, assist, like, in some level things like forces at the at the end let's say and then and then that becomes a kind of field to some degree that i think the final project comes in i that's the way i've have so been then working would on you it. say that the final project somehow coordinates all of those interests in one project well it doesn't i don't think of it as a synthesis but i think that that gives them some context to mm-hmm. work within so i give them like the like parallel let's say exercises which gives them context to then propose mm-hmm. something at the end yeah. of architectural. Yeah, I don't I, know if that's a, it's maybe too much. Yeah, too I, I taught first year for a number of years at, at, at Princeton. I, frankly, <laughs> I can say this now, I don't think I was very good at it. I think I'm much better with advanced studios. The house really um, worked well, I thought. Yeah, was. well, that was, you know, I mean, the, all those years at Columbia doing advanced studios, I mean, the... The, the level at which Columbia, I think, worked really, really well in the 90s when, when Jesse and I and Greg were there is that it, it was a kind of laboratory situation. We were working out ideas in our own practices, and we were using the studios up at Columbia as, mm-hmm. as a kind of laboratory to, to test those ideas and move them forward. I mean, that was where the whole discussion about forces and urbanism sure. and infrastructure really got, got fields, right. got, got worked out. But... I think the, the first-year graduate studio is a really, really difficult animal. Uh, you guys know this, right? I mean, because you're dealing with, you're dealing with students who are smart, well-educated adults yeah. with a lot of background. They might already be damaged. But they shows, actually the come mm-hmm. into the school yeah. kind of as beginners in architecture. Yeah. Right. And, and to with deal with that paradox... Specifically. What's that? With the graphic side of architecture. Yeah, yeah. To, to, you know, to, to be... Having to suddenly, you know, to suddenly as a kind of adult mar- be, all be an absolute beginner, teams. you know, is They is all... Tough. Well, I don't know. Many of them at Princeton anyway. They're all, you know, impeccable yeah. scores. Yeah. They all can write 
pretty well. They're all kind of discursively oriented. But then what's lacking many times is the other side. I mean, is the... I don't think I don't there's like... I, I wonder if sometimes if the students take the same... I, I know some... I know actually you guys do. I can say it pretty clearly. It's like the pleasure in making stuff. Like, I think, like, there is, like, sometimes I'm always, like, curious. Like, I feel like the, the output and what's presented is just, like, it's, like, just expedient. And yeah. there isn't really, isn't yeah. really a lot of work in it to some degree. I know you guys aren't, don't feel the same, aren't the same, so maybe this is a horrible right. thing. But th- when I see that, I think... Well, then it's presented think, as conceptual. Well, what are they, where do they place the act, the architecture? <laughs> I, I, I can only speak personally, but I feel like there's... Uh, I, tend to, I feel like I have to apologize if I do a project that is largely formally motivated or visually motivated. Really? Not to us. I want to see more of that. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wanna, yeah. The only thing you don't have to apologize to. I don't think yeah. see more data analysis than kind of. I think yeah. that is. Formal. I mean, I, well, I think that is. I think that is. I think that's part of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't. I think you can navigate. I think that's something actually to learn how to navigate that will help you in practice honestly mm-hmm. too because you do there are things where you have to quantify things you sure. have to deal with economies you know, sure. it shouldn't be the reasoning for it but you should be able to engage it right the, it, it intersects all of it I mean it's, yeah. it sets up a con- but I constraints think, but I think in your particular case I and mean, if we want to turn the tables around a little like I would say like when you came in you had a very strong aesthetic sense and you were working great pictorially the problem has always been like moving that outside of the picture to some degree mm-hmm. and and I, I think that's a constant problem to struggle with. I mean, I, I've, I've always thought you're, you're like, as a colorist, and I, I have no idea how to deal with this. Like, you're, like, super great colorist. But how do you bring that into architecture has always been. I'd be curious what you guys think about color. I can't... Yeah. I love color, but I can't ever seem to do it in, really, in buildings. Who were we just looking at the other day? You Can you do it? We're looking at um, Luce Barragon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, Lu- Barragon, of course, beautiful, but I still yeah. can't do it. Can you do it? I can't get there. I don't know why. I feel like... I it's would tough. get sick of yeah, color I've, so quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a, I think there's probably I'm in a, a kind of black and white. You do it, man. Like it, like you're doing, doing it. it. You're now. doing it like with effects, though, and you're yeah. doing like non-color ultimately. Right like afterwards, let's say spectral effects of like auto body added. paints. It's not really. You don't. Yeah. We don't. I don't think we're architects that start with color, but yeah. it's then something that's sort of added. Yeah, but I think but, you know, like I, Ang said, he could teach color in a day, like a neoclassical artist. You know, drawing and then color theory could be taught in a day. Color is so complex. I mean, Spets, Spets, you know, <laughs> I feel like color is one of the most yeah. difficult things. Because he thought it was just an algorithm. Is that the idea? Or it was super added to drawing and yeah. the, 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 yeah, what is it? Uh, drawing yeah, is the, 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 the truth the, of the, art. The color I feel like Hadex's yeah. reaction to the eyes of the monkey you know, is how I feel about color. Linear it's linear. Like, right. Right. It's so, so ar- hard. Architects, I think, already are geometrically are oriented. No, in, in the line versus color debate, yeah. I mean, architects are, are line people, you know. I mean, that's, I think it's absolutely clear. So it doesn't mean it could... What the yeah, hell are you yeah. talking about? Of course it can change. I mean, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. No, no, but exactly. that's been the history, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, that yeah. geometry rules. No, yeah. I mean, liniments then, is the, yeah, yeah. Is the ruling. Yeah. Materials, yeah, sure. and, and, yeah, and you, materials you, and color. You, you add color added. afterwards, yeah. yeah. It's very classic. Yeah. You know, you know po- Polly refuses to mix color. She, she, Interesting. Straight out of the tube. It's straight out of the tube, yeah. I mean, Polly's a great colorist, so I guess. She's my color consultant. But but you know to go back to something Michael said I, I think this is actually really I mean for for me it's a kind of two part two part thought I mean one is that the fact that you guys I mean we're all frankly dealing with a world which is incredibly expanded and incredibly flattened at this point and and that notion of 
you know, how you, how you decide what's important and what's not important is, is, is changed completely. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like the music scene today, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just like, it's just there's, there's a lot of, there's, and there's a lot, no, like, I mean, there's a lot of music out there that's pretty good and pretty yeah. interesting and it's like kind of infinite, yeah. but then there's not so much that just really blows you away, you know? But that also could be but, us, by the way. I feel like, yeah. I think that those effects are yeah. happen when you're younger. Like you get blown. I, yeah. Now you know you hear, I hear stuff and I think, oh, it sounds like this or that or whatever. Yeah. I think you, for you guys, I hope there is like music that you think like, whoa, this is the coolest right. shit out there, and it's gonna, yeah. it's sure. important. I think that's yeah. really important. Yeah. But because otherwise, but what I'm, but, but the other thing I was just going to say when you were I, saying that, I mean, what yeah. I, what I also don't see, you know, when you were saying that, you know, you you sort of justify something in conceptual terms is. A, a, a more kind of nuanced notion of what that actually could mean. I mean, I mean a little bit of. I think I think we're starting to see this in school a little bit, thanks to Michael and your contrarian kind of streak. But you know, I mean, uh, the other day, you know, you know, Robert Ashley died recently. Yeah. And uh, you know the site Ubu. Oh yeah. Of Kenny, Kenny Goldsmith. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was. You know, they they put a whole bunch of Robert Ashley stuff yeah. up, and I was. You know, and just the kind of quirkiness of that and the... I mean, you know, talk about stuff that really, you know, yeah. it really kind of blows you away. I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like in this last couple of weeks, it's Robert Ashley, you know. That's interesting. But mm-hmm. what, what I don't see in, this, in the students is... That there seems to me there's a certain kind of fear of being that weird and that different, you know that for all of the yes. mm-hmm. well, I think that's a problem of any of these kinds of institutions, like y- the, you, you know, know, like Princeton, Harvard, Yale. Well, not that we were that weird and different. Well, we Cooper were probably could either, allow but, for but, that um, more, but. So I, I, I mean, I'm all for conceptualism. You know, uh, I also think though there's been a pro- it, there's been a shift, and part of it is in let's say, I think it's also in the let's say the diagram, how it's taken over the discipline. Sure, is where. Sure. Where they say the in, intellectual labor is in the idea, and I just totally disagree right. with that. The right. la- or the labor of well, artists is in the idea. To the I don't other, care you know, about that shit. Like the Deleuzean notion yeah. of the diagram, where it was, it doesn't describe anything. Yeah, right. It's what you project into. Yes, it. it's, it's a complete right. inverse. It's almost yeah. it's become the inverse of the Deleuze, though. Like sure. yeah. you guys were sure, projecting sure. the it's diagram. It's No, now it's yeah, now it's expedient and, and yeah, and it's incredibly efficient. Versus it was in mysteri- it was mysterious. Into. I mean, right. the thing was, it was like a kind of underformed mysteriousness that you would have to work, right. and it was slippery. Now it's sure. completely unslippery. Right. It's the most direct. No, no, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah. I just think I think also the students they think of, like they think that's it. You come up with the idea, and then you're like the genius. I mean, I, this is horrible. It's, old yeah. And for us, stuff. I mean, for me, it's I the think opposite. That's the worst. It's like the idea. Usually, the idea goes. Yeah. I mean, like you thought it was a great idea, yeah. and it was never what you thought right. it was when you actually started working. And it's you know, it's like a battle where you have you know great plans prior yeah. to the battle, and then in the event. It all goes, you know, to hell, and then it actually becomes something different yeah. than what you thought. Exactly. It was. I mean, that that the mark of a successful project is that it gets you somewhere that you didn't imagine right. it would be when you started off. This is the problem. With it's this. not that you get yeah, where you thought you were going to be. It's just the too. opposite. I mean, that, you know, yeah, idea you know, first. To, to, to yeah, yeah, to yeah. make it defensible. Uh, yeah. Almost. That, I, I the, totally agree. I think that is. That is always the that's a kind of damage of postmodernism. I think I don't think it was that way before postmodernism, hmm. 
where you would have to claim the idea. Even Peter says that. He's like, I need a PhD before I could design. And he would constantly say, he would say that. Yeah, no, What's your, you know, can you write out your project? And I'm like, I can't, I'm not, you yeah. know, this is something right. you've been, I know you guys struggled right. with against. Right. Did you imagine you, a different you know thesis setup where we begin with models and drawings and animations and whatever? I think it's okay. I mean, I think you can start with software. I think you could start. I mean, you can start lots of places. I think it's in the act of actually. Right. I don't have a problem even starting with an idea, as long as you can move beyond it really quickly. If you're just trying to work on the idea, that's a problem for me. I mean, this was but, even something that we talked about. Like, you know, even reading Barthes, there was that sure. essay where to sure. begin. I mean, it, and the argument is that it isn't about tabula rasa, you know, but you actually right. can start anywhere, and it could be in the middle of something or collecting what you had before yeah. and revisiting it. And then opening the project up that way, but there's right. no ideal point of entry. Right. I mean, John Cage says exactly the same thing: start anywhere. You know mm-hmm. that that and the the anxiety about where to begin is actually the anxiety about where you're going to end up, right? And if you give up the and yeah. again, even in a yeah. kind of John and Cage might not sk- square with your concept, exactly. In a, in a kind of John Cage Zen way, you know, if you don't worry about where you're going, suddenly you're liberated to start anywhere. You know. Right. And that doesn't mean it's just everything and anything, because actually yeah. anything that you're kind of working with actually has its own built-in constraints and limits. You know, when you're, yeah. you're looking at some specific problem, it isn't, you know, in general. But it's also this notion yeah. that, that you, you know, I mean, what, why are you doing this in the first place? I mean, there's no point in doing it if you're actually not getting some pleasure out of doing it. And yeah. uh, it's, the, the, yeah, it's the, not a purely it's, conceptual exercise. It's not a, well, it's not a, it's not an obligation, you know. I mean, I right. that, that that you know. Again, the people who's at the end of the day, the people whose work you're going to go back to again and again, are the people who are actually taking some pleasure out of doing that work, you know. Right. I mean, because ultimately, that that actually comes through in the work. Um, Something and some form of knowledge would emerge from that work, which couldn't have been arrived at through preconception. Like that, that interaction yeah, yeah. with the matter and yeah. all of the other stuff actually produces something yeah. that could not have been gotten to any other way. I mean, I mean it's something that, that Dave Hickey talked about about communities of desire. You know that that there's a there's a kind of commonality in yeah. identifying certain certain issues as important and then kind of mm-hmm. passionately working around different solutions towards those. Towards those 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 issues. That's very also because it isn't personal. No, it's not personal. It's, it's actually it's not personal. there are probably you know five other people working on these problems too, or have that or share that desire, right? You know, or more. It's it's actually pretty impersonal. Mm-hmm. It's somehow both. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I was saying the Hickey thing. He always he always says that there's like two. We always ride this funny thing. There's like two classes of. Artists, I guess, in this particular case, we're talking about, but we always we always use them in architecture. Is that there's the seminarians, and then there's the freaks, and seminarians are us at some level. I mean, we have to ride the. We're like, I don't. This is why I think I believe there's probably freaky seminarians, hopefully, or something. But like the like, there's those who police the narratives of the discipline, and then there are those who are just fascinated with certain things. And he's all like hot rodders or something, you know, yeah. built, like, and he's interested in the freaks. He can't stand the seminarian types. Mm-hmm. So the academy has always been a place where, where, let's say those that you're not necessarily going to find the pleasures. You're just going to be told the rules, and the other side you have to sort of find your people, I guess, 
the, and the freaks have to get together and just get excited about whatever the latest curve of some of right. something, or mm-hmm. like what Jesse was talking about there. But you'd find it in your classmates. Yes, I, ideally you find it in your classmates. But the problem is, with the flattening, let's say, of the world, now we, you know, even the class represents this. It's kind of a the class structures, they feel even like you get a little bit of everything. So you get some people are interested in what you're talking about. Some people are interested in, let's say, activism. Some people are interested in... And it doesn't... Even now... It's just like what you're saying in the music scene. It just feels like things are... Like when when I was young, there was a real clear kind of dominant alternative. Right. It wasn't called alternative. There, was a, there really was college music. Let's say there was an idea of an underground. Selling out was considered a bad thing. It was a big deal when Sonic Youth went on Geffen. Everyone freaked out. They thought there was the end of music. <laughs> and, like, like now it doesn't... Nobody will even thinks like that, yeah. you know? I don't know. Maybe there... But I think... Th- I'm hoping there still is. I just don't know it, which I think would be the most natural and best scenario. Like, you know? I used to go around and see, like, uh, Fugazi and Minor Threat playing all the time and feel like I was part of some small group that didn't was kind of against society at some level or against the status quo I feel like nowadays it's, there is none of that there was a real hardcore scene which I used to have a shaved head even at one point in my life crazy <laughs> so hard to imagine now I, I was t- I, I went through different phases in my life well we can wrap up unless you have any closing thoughts I think we should end with Michael's shaved head you have to find you have to find a picture put on the put on the web you've been listening to a roundtable debate on formalisms between Stan Allen Jesse Reiser and Michael Meredith the debate was moderated by Ishai Yudakovitz and Hans Tursak the debate took place at Princeton University in 2014 the producer was Hans Tursak produced for attention the audio journal for architecture